0: Well, how's everybody today? Better now, huh? Are you excited about what God is doing? I'm so excited I can't sit still. This is the best day to be living in. Amen. It's the best time for the church. It's the best time for what we what God has called us to do. And, you know, I had a little surprise a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Zach and Pastor Dan said to me, you know, until I came here, I never really heard about Ecclesia. And I'm thinking, what? How is that possible? How is that possible? Well, so I got to thinking, well, maybe I better do a little teaching on Ecclesia. Because if they haven't heard, maybe others haven't heard. What Ecclesia? You haven't heard either? Okay. Oh, my goodness. Where have you been? In the dark. dark. (laughs) Yes. In the dark. Right. Amen. Well, you're going to get in the light today. Okay. But Ecclesia and and you know, ecclesia is our DNA, church isn't. You want to know what I mean at the end of this message? Ecclesia is our DNA, church isn't. Ecclesia is what Jesus built, church is what man built. If there was ever a day we need to understand the differences today. If there was ever a day we need to understand what ecclesia means, it is today. Uh, understanding ecclesia explains why we think, why we teach, why we go outside of the walls of the building. It explains why we pray the way that we pray as a church, as a, when I say church, in some cases, I'm using it interchangeably, right? As an ecclesia, as a body of Christ. Let me just say that as a body of Christ, it explains the way, why we do what we do, why we pray the way we pray, why we, why we go after the things that we go after. We have to understand and we have to understand that if we're not careful, we can take on a mindset that was created for other purposes and put it into our application of our body of Christ activities for today. I'm trying to say this so carefully. We have to also understand that really it's a difference in words, but words create culture. Whoever controls the language create, uh, controls the culture. Whoever controls language controls culture. Whoever controls the language in your house controls the culture of your house. Whoever controls the language of a nation controls the culture of that nation. You know, and throughout the ages, we've seen how a lot of words have completely changed their meanings. Let me give you a few examples. What do you think when I say the word spinster? An old woman, right? Old single, old maid, right? Well, really that word, the, the origin of that word was a woman who simply spun yard or thread. As a woman who spun yarn or thread, not, as we say today, an old unmarried crabby woman. That's what we think about, isn't it? Oh, she's just an old spinster. That's why she acts the way she does. That's really not what that word meant to begin with. How about the word naughty? You know, Christmas is coming. Are you naughty or nice? Nice. Well, we think it's just kind of bad behavior, right? We're just not really doing, not minding, not cleaning up your room, not picking after yourself. Oh, you're big. Johnny's being so naughty, pulling his sister's ponytail. Well, years ago, it meant evil or immoral. One more. How about senile? (laughs) We've heard that word a lot, haven't we? Well, today it means to suffer from dementia and used usually in a derogatory way. But the original meaning of that word was simply mature age. Someone of a mature age was considered senile. Today, if we say, oh, you're a senile saint, they're thinking, what? You're insulting me. No, we're just saying you're a mature saint but that's not the way. See, so language controls the culture, controls the way we think. Even in scripture, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty-three, Paul was saying, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, well, they'll not say that you're out of your mind. So if we go back and we look at that word outsiders in the Greek is idiotes, idiotes, and it's where we get our word idiot from. It's where we get our word idiot. Well, in the Greek, that word idiotase means simply someone excluded from a group or someone outside and someone who usually did not participate in public affairs. So an idiotase was someone who didn't participate in public affairs. If we said now, okay, if some idiot comes in here and we're all praising like we were a while ago, we're, you know, that's a really pretty derogatory, isn't it? Because we wouldn't call people idiots, right? Even back in, I think it's Matthew 5, where, you know, it talks about if you call someone, and if you're angry someone without a cause, and, and some of the translations even say, or you call someone an idiot, that's not even, well, that's closer to the meaning, but it's the word rakah, which means fool, really. And some of the translators have put in the word idiot. So we see that we can change the meaning of something by the words that we use, right? So it's very important. And so when translators began to translate scripture, they completely ignored the true meaning of the word that Jesus used, which I'm going to give you in a few minutes, as as of ecclesia as a people, and translated it as church as a building. Big difference. See, it went from relational to institutional. Ecclesia is relationship, it's relational. Church is institutional. And I've given you a chart we're going to look at in a moment uh, to see the difference. See, it went from ruling with God's authority to being ruled by hierarchical authority. We see that in the church world today. There's a hierarchy in the church, right? So ecclesia is us being the ruling body of Christ, where church is the body, is a body of believers who come together to be ruled in a hierarchical pattern. There's no way around it. The Greek word ecclesia means something much more and much different than the English word church. And that difference is very meaningful and it's very real. There's a lot of good books on, on Ecclesia. One of the very best, I think, that I've ever read, and it was, and I think this was written several years ago, is by Dean Bridges called Ecclesia Arise or Ecclesia Rising. And this is what he says. He says, the word that changed the world. And why am I going through all this? Because if you don't know who you are, you won't know what you're supposed to do. Right? If you think all you're supposed to do is come in and be a part of an institution on Sunday, that's all you're going to do because that's what I'm supposed to be because that's who I am. But that's not who Jesus says you are. That's not who he ever said that his body was to be. So he says language is the fundamental method we use for conveying information and understanding. The changing of one word can literally change the world. Therefore, translators are given an extreme responsibility in making sure they get it right, especially key words. When Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, Matthew 16, 18, the translators purposely used a word identifying a building rather than a people. And why did that happen? Why in the world would they do that? If Jesus had said to his disciples and he had said, I'm going to, Kevin, I'm going to build my church and use that word, they'd have said, What's a church? They never heard of that word church. Church didn't even exist at that time. And he could have even said, "Well, I'm going to build my synagogue because they knew what a synagogue was. But by the way, synagogue is neither spiritual nor secular. It's just just a word. Just like ecclesia, is not a spiritual word. And it was very well understood during that time. But Jesus very carefully chose his words. But it was about 380 AD when Theodosius I decided that this group of people called ecclesia were getting pretty big and pretty powerful. He said, I better rein these guys in. And by then, Constantine had made Christianity the state religion. See, that's when we start getting into problems. We start politicizing our faith, right? So, Constantine had made it the state religion. Theodosius decided, hey, I better get some control of this. So, he started building buildings. For the people to come into and instead of you guys who are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit casting out devils laying hands on the sick. He said we better get these guys in here so I can control them and I'm going to to appoint me a hierarchy of of religious people. So he began to appoint priests and and whatever they called them during that time. And so now the people were brought in and dumbed down to say, hey, no, you can't do this anymore. You have to work through this hierarchy of people because we've got to keep good control of what's really going on in this state. Not only what, see, people equals property equals money, right? People equals property equals money. So they wanted to make sure that they had control of the people, property, the money, Right. So, so we see that the ecclesia of Jesus moved from apostolic, from dynamic, to pastoral, to controlled, to a passive group of people led by assigned clergy. Okay, listen carefully now. The pioneering spirit that's, that's present in ecclesia eroded and the cur- clergy were elevated. You ever heard this clergy, you know, secular and spirit? There's no such thing in the body of Christ. Kingdom mindset became business mindset and, and focus on control of the masses. Instead of passion, the key word was conformity. See, instead of you having passion for what God is showing you, you come in and you learn what I'm going to teach. We're all going to conform to the same beliefs. We're all going to believe this. You go, If we see it today, you go to a certain denomination, so we don't believe this and we don't believe that. But we do believe this. So we're conforming to what that particular denomination believes, right? And it's all done with good intentions because they don't want you to get over here with this wild bunch that's going to have war drums on Sunday morning and, and all this other stuff, see, because that might get you in trouble. We just stay over here where it's safe. And if it's God's will, he'll heal you. If it's God's will, he'll bless you, right? It's safe, Right? No, it'll see, it, it's destructive. So we see that th- this is when this great shift became. And then about 1525, William Tyndale, he was, a, he was a Bible translator. He went back and he started printing the Tyndale Bible. But you know what? He, he used the right word. He said, I'm not using church. That's not what it means. So he used the word for ecclesia, which is congregation and assembly of people gathered for a purpose. Well, he got in a heap of trouble about that. And in 1536, he was burned at the stake because he refused to change his translation. So then about 1604, King James comes along and we're thinking, okay, now we're going to get some headway because he's, he's got these 47 scholars. And he said, I want you to interpret the, I want you to translate the scripture. And he gave them 15 rules, and all these rules, except for one, all these rules was about making sure they used the best manuscripts available, which were not the best manuscript. by the way. It was the Latin Vulgate that they used, which is not the best manuscript. So anyway, but they did the best they could do, right? then you get down to rule number three, it says the other rule is you cannot use anything except the word church. You cannot use gathering. You cannot use congregation. You cannot use assembly. You have to use the word church. For the very same reason, because King James, the biggest threat uh, to the, to the religious institution, well, the biggest two biggest religious institutions, was Roman Catholic and English church. So we sure don't want to do anything that's going to threaten that, right? We don't want to do anything. so he said, okay, translate it, but whatever you do, don't change the word church. to so all those places the word church comes in. So as we said, we, so the, the church went from to this pastoral, Mindset. Now, pastors are good, right? Jesus says we need pastors, but there's a big difference between apostle and pastor. And you you guys should know this. Maybe I need to teach this again too. But there's a big difference between apostle and pastor. An apostle is a my. It has a visionary. They're they're very they're aggressive. They're pioneers. Pastors are those who kind of keep it. They hold it together. They're maintainers. They're managers. And we need all of that. But you can't let people that want to hold it all together build churches because they need that apostolic visionary pioneering spirit to go out there and do what they're supposed to do. Otherwise it's, it's us for no more mentality. So just bring you a little flock into my building. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you. And that's good. Okay. So, so that's kind of in a nutshell, that's in a nutshell. So, but see what we did is we shifted from occupying the land to just existing. We shifted from dominion to survival. We shifted from a supernatural mentality to an entitlement mentality. We're no longer identified as soldiers and conquerors. We're members and sheep. We went from developing to discipling armies of leaders to flocks of sheep. So that's the difference. And then he goes on to say, I discovered that I had a choice. Either I believe what the translators had to say or go to the original language and read what Jesus and the apostles had to say. I found no mentioning coming from Jesus that he called the translators to represent his authority. Our word church is one of those words that has impacted the world and has subverted the purpose for which it was intended. Because the translators use the word church meaning a building instead of a more accurate word reflecting a functioning body, it has affected our whole approach to the meaning of the body of Christ. See, it wasn't just a poor translation. It was a mistranslation. It was a mistranslation. So what happens while the church is sleeping? What happens? Because there was no ecclesia alive while the church was sleeping, we allowed all this stuff to come into our nation. We allowed laws of approving abortion. We allowed the gay agenda to come into our schools. We allowed the, you know, all kind of illegal stuff, immorality going on in our land, and we were applauding most of it. We allowed all this filth to come on our TV. Why? Because instead of being ecclesia out there with that pioneering, changing, apostolic spirit, we we're just, well, we'll just maintain, we'll just do status quo. You know, as long as they can get them coming in on Sunday, we're okay. Let's just don't rock the boat. And so we've created this. We have created this. We ha- I want you to remember, if you don't remember, language controls culture. And what you call something will determine the culture of your home, your business, your nation, whatever it might be. And when the language of Scripture is misrepresented, the culture of Scripture gets misappropriated. When the language of Scripture is misrepresented, it's no longer about the kingdom of God. It's about the organization of the church. It's about that political system. It's about, it's about everything except what God wanted it to be. Heinrich Kramer, a bishop in Denmark during World War II, described the panic that overtook the clergy of his diocese as the Nazis marched in to take possession of their country. As priests and pastors gathered at his home, they asked, what should we do? He answered, first we must ask who we are. If we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. If we know who we are, we will know what to do. See, we've become an inward social club, organizing our meetings to please people and not the Lord, while the world around us looks increasingly like the domain of darkness. Pastors have become more like CEOs of a business and leaders of social groups, thinking they're fulfilling the call of God. Why has all this happened? Because we have believed a lie about who we really are and how we are to function. It's been proven time and time again Repeat a lie often enough and you'll begin to believe it. We've lost our way. We lost our true identity and therefore our true function and purpose and goal. That's from Joe Nicola, Ecclesia, the government of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And really, Ecclesia is all about the government of the kingdom. It's not the kingdom of God. It's about the government of God, the government of the kingdom of God. And so let's go back to Matthew chapter 16 now. Matthew 16. And this is where, this is the first time that this word ecclesia appears in scripture. And it says, now when, now there is a word for church, but it's not this word. Okay. We'll talk about that. Maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll talk about it or not, but maybe we will. Okay. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now the main thing is, let's ask a question, let's back up. Why did Jesus take them to Caesarea Philippi? By the way, if you look at the map, that's 30 miles from where he was and it's way out of the way. It's also a place where no good Jew ever wanted to be. Let me just tell you what was going on at Caesarea Philippi. It was a major center of occult worship. It was a major center where people worshiped the god Pan the god of idolatry or a god of idolatry it was a temple of caesar that represented government locals called it the area of the rocks of the go- of god the rocks of the gods the the gate of hades does that sound familiar to you the gate of hades was a real place It was a cave where human and animal sacrifice were made and it represented everything Satan represented. It represented sexual perversion with animals and temple prostitutes took took place there. It represented local non-Jews that would congregate there because that's where the headwaters of the Jordan River were found. And at the massive rock at the entrance of the cave had faces of other gods hewn into the stone. And the opening was called the Gate of Hades. You think, you thought, Jesus was just saying that was something nice for him to say, right? The gates of hell will not prevail, haven't we said? No, he was taking them to Caesarea Philippi to give them an object lesson. He was taking them into the middle of the den of Satan to say that the church is going to be greater than anything Satan has to offer. That's what he was saying. See, it was a big object lesson. It was a show and tell that he was doing. It was believed that Baal and the spirits of the dead would enter the underworld into Hades through an opening in the rock that looked much like a big yawning mouth. It was a place of darkness, debauchery, and occultism. It's the modern equivalent to some... You know, we have a place in our nation called Sin City, right? I think we have many... We should call them Sin City, right? Right? We have cities that are known for their, for their lewdness. We have centers that are known for their a, a homosexuality. We have centers that are known for, you know, New York said they wanted to be known as the epicenter for abortion. It might be a place like this. Well, God just about wiped them out, didn't he, with COVID. But no good Jew would defile himself by going there. And Jesus is taking his 12 guys and he's saying, come on, guys, I got to tell you something. So let me back up now. So he's taking them to Caesarea Philippi. Who do you say that I am? In the midst of all of this, who do you say that I am? And finally he turned to to Peter and he said, But Peter, who do you say that I am? And see, that's the revelation that the church is built on. Ecclesia is built on the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. It's not built on a policy. It's not built on polity. It's not built on a bunch of church rules. You don't have to sign your name saying, I won't do this, 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 and this. When we, the first church I belonged to after I got born again, I had to sign a thing saying I wouldn't do, I wouldn't smoke tobacco, I wouldn't drink alcohol, I wouldn't do other things, which I didn't do any of that anyway. But I'm thinking, why would anybody want to do those things? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, so but that that's what that's what they were so Jesus was saying, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, for my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's standing right there. He said, these gates are not going to prevail. All this demon activity is not going to prevail against my church. It's not going to conquer it because of the great revelation. See, people think on this rock, they think Peter is the, you know, the what is it, the Catholic? I don't know anything about Catholic church, but is Peter's pretty big dying guy right there. Isn't he a pretty big deal in the Catholic church? Okay, well, in, in the Christian church, he's an all, he's a big deal too, but just so were you big deals, right? He says, it's not Peter that I'm building the church on, it's the revelation that you have that I am the son of the living God. And that's what ecclesia is based on. See, churches that do not have the revelation of, of Jesus as the son of God, the Messiah, cannot operate in supernatural signs and wonders. They cannot cast out demons The demons will prevail. When we first went into the prison ministry years ago, Jim Jewell said to us, he said, most churches that aren't full gospel never make it in here because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And the powers of darkness overwhelm them, and they just usually tuck tail and run. Well, it's the same thing. A church without the power of the Holy Spirit is going to tuck tail and run when darkness comes. We as Ecclesia, we go out into the marketplace, we go out into the world, we carry the light of the gospel. Everywhere we go, we dispel darkness right we're not in an arm wrestling match with the devil we just walk in he has to leave right because you you turn on a light darkness leaves right we don't sit and have a negotiation we turn the lights on is the darkness gonna leave no light dispels darkness right and that's who we are that's who ecclesia is so in the midst of all of this jesus asked peter who do you say i'm gonna ask you in the midst of all this junk that's going on in our nation who do you say jesus is you see all the evil that's getting exposed? I'm so excited. I can't hardly really stand still. All this evil that's getting exposed in our nation, all the corruption that's getting exposed in our nation. I'm excited. I don't know about you. It's not the time to be down in the mouth. You know what? God wins. God wins. Yes, we better believe God wins. And whoever you say Jesus is, your answer is very critical. Your answer is very critical. And let me tell you something else. I can't teach you that revelation. It's, it's caught, not taught. <laughs> it's caught, not taught. It's caught by the presence of Holy Spirit. And, and we do not want to, we don't want to be a part of anything that runs today without this revelation. I don't care if it's your business, if it's your school. You walk into that school, that school needs to have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And we need to get rid of some of these demons that's occupying some of our schools, right? Sometimes they're called superintendents and teachers. We need, to, we need to pray those out and pray godly ones in or pray they get born again, right? That would be the better thing. I'm telling you, God can do so much just like that if we just trust him. Trust him. I'm I'm just going to tell my one little thing. I I was telling some of the people last night, I think it was, you know, I have some Lazarus that I'm working with, and one of them, I just love him so much, and he's a precious guy, and he did some horrible things, and he calls me yesterday crying. Now, all I've done really is pray with him and encourage him. That's all I've really done. I haven't had Bible studies with him. I haven't told him anything except God get him. Sick him, God, sick him. That's kind of why, you know, and give us the opportunity. He calls me crying. He says, I just want you to know that I came clean with my family, and I told them what I really did. I said, that is so, I'm so proud of you because now you can heal. You can begin to heal. And then he said he's been in a homosexual relationship for years. He has a partner he lives with. He says, you know, I'm thinking I need to end this relationship. He said, I'm even finding myself attracted to women. And I said, you know, I'm just thinking, I remember, you go, God. You go. See, he called it. I could have brought him in and taught him all the scriptures. No, he called it. He called it. Because Holy Spirit was in there working on his heart. Because all we have to do is love people. Show them love. Show them respect. And I'm telling you, God is God will get them. Right? Just let trust God to be God. We don't have to do it for him. You know, we don't have to go and give God a grocery list. God, I need you to do this, 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 and this. He's just saying, would you just get out of my way? You don't have a clue. I know how to do this, 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 and this. And I know how to do it best. If you just get out of my way, let me do what I need to do. You just love them. You just pray for them. That's all I'm asking you to do. I tell you, God is awesome. He's awesome. And, and so we, we have to have that revelation. He said, I'm going to build my church on the revelation of who I am. You see, ecclesia is not just an assembly, but it's a ruling assembly. It's a ruling assembly. When Jesus was talking about, remember, well, who, who do we war against? It's not political party, right? We don't war against political people. We don't war against people. We war against powers and principalities. We've said it for months and years in here. If we start warring against people, what are we going to do? Yeah, we're going to get pretty worn out, aren't we? We're going to get pretty anxious and depressed because we're not battling people. We're battling powers and principalities that rule people. It's just like this principality ruling this young man. See, my battle wasn't with him. My battle was with the power and principality it was trying to snuff out his life. See, that's who we war against. That's, that's who the enemy is. And we have to understand that. But Ecclesia is a ruling assembly. It was, it is governmental. And Jesus says, I'm putting you in the earth to govern the earth because way back in Genesis 128, I gave you a mandate that you're to control, you're to rule the earth. Way back in Psalm 8, God told David, he's, you know, David said, Lord, what are we that you even give us a second thought? He said, but yet you tell us you've, given us you've given us authority over all your creation. So, what he simply was doing, okay, I'm putting into place now a system of government for the kingdom to rule the earth like I intended for it to be ruled back in Genesis 1 when I told you to take authority, right? But we have an enemy. We have an enemy. This is a definition from the New Oxford American Dictionary. It's basically telling us Ecclesia is not a church. A church is a building used for public Christian worship. They might say, so-and-so came to church with me, right? Let me tell you, everywhere I go, I have church, right? If I go into my office, I have church. If I go into the grocery store, I'm having church. You know, is that what I'm saying? I'm having Ecclesia. I'm not just taking a building with me. I'm not pulling this big old building behind and say, come and get in my church. No, I'm taking the power and presence of God in there. And so somebody's going to see that light, and somebody's going to say, I want what that is, or maybe that's just a seed being planted. That's what you and all, you are supposed to be We're all supposed to be doing that. A particular Christian organization, typically one that has its own clergy buildings and distinctive doctrines. The Church of England, the hierarchy of the cre- clergy of a Christian organization, especially the Roman Catholic Church or the Church of England. It's institutionalized religion. Now, how many wants to be in an institution? <laughs> Jesus didn't save us to be institutionalized. He saved us to be free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, right? There's freedom. Yes, he didn't save us to institutionalize us. Uh, separation is all going to go on and on and on. Okay, so, so the concept of the word used by translators for church carries a specific meaning of an organization, a place, or a building. It's a place where people come and conduct a religious ceremony. Okay? And then, so that means when you leave, you don't have to worry about that anymore, right? Well, if you're a church, yes, if you're Ecclesia, no. So, when Jesus told Peter he would build his church, he did not use that word. Instead, he used Ecclesia. I feel like I keep hitting this and hitting this and hitting this. So, Oscar Seyfried's Dictionary of Classical Antiquity says, Ecclesia was originally used to describe the assembly of the people, which in Greek cities had the power of final decision in public affairs. You see that? This is why, how the word was understood in the Greek. They had the power of final decision in public affairs. You and I as the ecclesia should have the power of final decision in public affairs. The number one tool of the ecclesia is prayer. It's prayer. We don't have to get out here and run our mouths and do all this and blaspheme people and all and that. was prayer. So we have, that's how we change the ruling uh, environment. It was the principal assembly of the Athenian government, which eventually became the model of government for city-states throughout the Hellenized world. People are summoned to act in a legislative manner. And that's Jesus fully understood what that word meant when he said to Peter, upon this revelation of who I am, I'm building my legislative assembly. And we're going to change the earth. We're going to change the world. You see why the enemy wanted to bring that wrong definition in? He goes on to say, in legal cooperation with the Senate, the ecclesia had the final decision in all matters affecting the supreme interest of the state. Do we understand now why Derek Prince said, as the, if as the church goes, so goes the nation? We understand why others are saying, you look at the condition of the nation and you can blame the church? Because the church has the final say in how a nation looks. This church, our Ecclesia, it says it has the final decision in all matters affecting the supreme interests of the state as war, peace, alliances, treaties, the regulation of army and navy, finances, loans, tributes, duties, prohibition or exports or imports, the introduction of new religious rights and festivals, the awarding of honors and rewards, the conferring of citizenship. So you see how powerful Ecclesia is. And then William Barclay said... In a certain sense, the word congregation slash church loses a certain amount of the essential meaning because ecclesia is clearly summoned together for a purpose rather than merely assembling because they've chosen to come together. So when we come together on Sunday morning, it's not just simply so we can have a bagel before search starts and a cup of coffee. We're coming together for a purpose. We're coming together to declare the kingdom of God in the lives of all these people who came down here. We're coming together so we can get rid of the darkness, we can get rid of the confusion, we can lay hands on the sick and they recover. We're coming together for a distinct purpose. We're also coming together to equip the saints to go out and do the work of ministry. You can't teach, you can't lead what you don't know, right? And I've had people say, well, so-and-so was sick and I was going to invite them to come to church so you could pray for them. I said... They might die between the time you get them, you know, and and you get them Sunday. Pray for them yourself. I've had numerous people. Pray for them yourself. You can pray as good as I can pray. You're a Christian just like I'm a believer. You carry the same Holy Spirit I carry. So we come here, we equip the saints so you can go out and you can lay hands on the sick on your job. You can cast out demons on your job. You can have somebody talk to you in the grocery line, bring them hope. You can tell them about the wonders and the love of God. We've been singing about that today. See, that's what we're supposed to be doing as Ecclesia. But if we have a church mentality, just want to get them in the building. Let's get them in the building. Okay? It means God's people are called together to listen to and act for God. We're on assignment. What did Paul say in, in Corinthians? He said, we are ambassadors. We're ambassadors of God. What does that mean? That means we represent Him in full authority. That means everything he believes, we believe. Everything he legislates, we legislate. In other words, the secular ecclesia had expansive authority in determining the affairs of their city and their territory. See, Jesus is saying, I want you to go out and I want you to manage the earth for me. I want you to influence territories. I want you to influence organizations and, and the governments and the schools and those seven mountains we talk about. I want you to I want you to influence those. That's not going to happen inside four walls. It's only going to happen as we go outside the door. And we touch people. I'm telling you, we need to start at the top, don't we? We need to start at the top of the media mountain. We need to start at the top of the educational mountain because that's where all the influence is. This is another quote. It says, In comparing the secular application of ecclesia to the ruling council which Jesus convened, Barclay observes, A summons was was not to any, listen to this, it's so important, was not to any selected few. It was a summons from the state to every man to come and shoulder his responsibilities. It was a summons from God to every man to come and to listen and act on the word of God, man and woman, every believer. So when we come into this place, you're getting a summons to act on what the Word of God has to say. That's what we're doing. In summary, ecclesia was a definition, by definition, a governmental assembly. Therefore, the authority and function of the assembly is fundamental to properly understanding what Jesus inaugurated in Matthew 16, 18. The thought of willfully continuing to play church the thought of willfully continuing to play church rather than shouldering our responsibilities as duly summoned representative of God, ruling council must become abhorrent to us. This is why this nation's in the mess it's in. We've been playing church and we not, have not shouldered the responsibility of being the, the powerful devil-dispelling, darkness-dispelling entity called Ecclesia that Jesus intended for it to do. Everywhere we go, we're to represent him. Everywhere we go, let us repent and cooperate with God in the administration of his kingdom on planet earth. Actually, that word church, you know what its root word is? Circle or circus in the Latin. So if, as, if we're functioning as a church rather than ecclesia, we're just going in circles. Have we seen that to be true? We're just going in circles. We're just going through the motions. Just going through the motions. When God's influence is not involved in these matters, a godless government is ruling, and this is how we get anti-biblical laws put into place. When ecclesia is not influencing, we pass laws that abort babies. We allow same-sex influences into our schools under the bias of legality. We create a culture of immorality because we've used consent and choice as the only criteria rather than God's word. Well, if two consenting adults, what's wrong with that? It's against the word of God. We've got to stand for what the word of truth says, what the word of God says. We allow injustices to rule in our courtrooms that benefit those in authority because there's no godly influence. See, we've been playing church and we haven't been that legislative influence in, in the nation. And the symptoms are getting more severe because the church does not have the answer. But let me tell you, ecclesia does. The church doesn't have the answer, but Ecclesia has the answer because it moves in power. And it's called to transform the key components. You guys are familiar with the seven cultural influences in our nation. Ecclesia has the ability to influence and to transform the religious mountain, the religion mountain. The religion mountain, thing called the church or Ecclesia. It has the influence to, to transform the family mountain where family can once again be as it was the the Genesis mandate or the Genesis template of one man and one woman. That's what what God's family looks like. It's not two of either one, right? I don't even know how that works, honestly. Somebody's got to have babies, right? I had chemistry and not a lot of biology, but I think that's pretty common sense. How about the education mountain? We have the ability to, you get godly, ecclesia-minded teachers and superintendents into the schools, and they're going to be allowing all this mess to come in, all this curriculum. (laughs) Government. We need godly government, don't we? God forbid we need godly government. We need godly government, right? From local all the way to federal, we need godly government. We need godly businesses. How do you transform a city? You buy it. You buy it. How do you buy it? You get business after business after business. And they start opening a godly business here and a godly business there. And next thing you know, the city's owned by godly business people, right? Yes. I hit Duke's tickle button. How about arts and entertainment? We need to transform the arts and entertainment because it's, it's junk. That's what it is. And how about the media? I think the media is just self-imploding, really. I think the media is just self-imploding. I mean, great day. Can anybody even stand to turn it on anymore? And we ourselves have our own prophetic, apostolic declaration of who we're supposed to be. I'm going to play you a prophecy in just a moment that was given to us in 07 by Barbara Wintrouble. And many of you have heard this. Some of you haven't heard it. But let me, just, let me just summarize some of the prophetic words that was given to impact. We're called to transform the region and change the city. Barbara Wintraub prophesied that in 06. We walked up to her at a book table and she said, I need to pray for you too. Didn't know her from Adam. Where are you from? North Carolina. She began to pray. You're pastors, but you're called to transform your region. We're thinking small, basically, is what she said. That was right after the Lord said, I called you here to change the way you're doing things. I called to get you out of the church mentality into the ecclesia mentality. And she said, you've got pioneering spirit within you. Well, see, that's in our DNA. Pastor Robbins was a pioneer, right? That's in our DNA, right? It said, you're, you're to be an apostolic hub, which means there's things that are to go out from the hub. You know, you may have a lot of spokes going out there and the hub might be like this, but you've got a lot of influence and a lot of teaching and a lot of prayer and all the other things. You're building up leaders and you're sending out people to do the work of ministry. Signs, wonders, and miracles have been prophesied time and time again. House of resurrection power. You know the story. We've had two prophets, one on, in North Carolina and one in Dallas, Texas. It, one walked up to me in Texas said exactly what the one in North Carolina said. said, this is a house of resurrection power. When people have been given a death sentence, they're going to come here and they're going to get life. God's going to bring them back to life. The ambulances are going to be parked at your door. Both of them said that. Ambulances will be parked at your door. We're also a house of favor, and we've been given a mandate to make change. We've been given a mandate to bring transformation. I, you should all have your handout, "Understanding Ecclesia." Should all have this. There's probably other things. I just wanted to put something together for you today. I've never have a, this is new, so you might want to add a couple of things. And if you do, let me know. All right, a church operates at set times, generally on Sundays. Ecclesia operates 24 7. Church is more concerned with treating symptoms of disease and disorder in society. Ecclesia is more concerned with treating the systematic, systemic root cause of disease and disorder in society. See, the church wants to give people money to help them out of their. I mean, give them a hand up, teach them how to fish to some level. But what the Ecclesia wants to do is eliminate systemic poverty. Get rid of the mindsets. Get rid of the generational curses that keep causing rather than keeping giving out and giving out and giving out. Church focuses to get people into the church. Ecclesia focuses to get people into God's kingdom. See, it doesn't matter if they come to impact as long as we get them into the kingdom. Amen? Church operates mostly out of one location. The church building and is very building-centric in approach. Lecclesia operates from any location, marketplace, schools, neighborhood, homes, and is Jesus-centric in approach. I should say Christ-centric. Church believes the responsibility for ministry falls mostly on the church staff or clergy, where Ecclesia believes the responsibility for ministry falls on every believer in Christ, every believer. See, people have bought a bill of goods that said, unless I went to Bible college, I can't do this or I can't do that. You can do it. You can, if you've got the anointing of Christ within you, you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You, every believe this says these signs will follow those who believe. Number one, they're going to speak with new tongues. they are going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to cast out devils. Everyone who believes, right? The church uh, uh, believes obedience to church rules is a requirement for membership ecclesia says relationship with jesus is a requirement for membership so you can be in a church and not be a believer you could have, you could have filled out all the things you could have signed everything you said i'm going to do this i'm going to be nice i'm not going to drink smoke chew or run with those who do but you still not be a believer Leadership qualifications are based on time served, education, seminary, Bible college, and those things are, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But that doesn't mean you're qualified to be a leader. In ecclesia, leadership qualifications are based on spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. In church, church authority is based on man's appointed hierarchy and focuses on ruling over people within their organization. Ecclesia authority is based on God's divine governmental hierarchy and focuses on ruling over powers and principalities. You see the difference? Church success is measured by numbers, budgets, buildings, and programs. Ecclesia success is measured by making true disciples for Christ with the foundation being the Word of God. You see the difference? Do you see the difference? What did Jesus model for us? He ate with sinners. He ate with sinners because the well didn't need a physician. He didn't wait for them to get cleaned up. He went to them and helped them get cleaned up. He traveled to the one woman at the well because the religious would not accept him. He met their need and He revealed the kingdom of God to them. He healed the sick, He cast out devils, He raised the dead. He spoke truth rather than what tickled the ear to draw numbers. He spoke the truth rather than what tickled their ears to draw numbers. I want you to listen to this word. This is in 07 by Barbara Trouble.
1: Know that this is a time that I'm breaking you out of all of the limitations. The Lord said, I'm going to extend your borders. The Lord said, lengthen your cords, strengthen your pegs, for you're getting ready to break out onto the right, the left, the east, the west, the north, the south. The Lord said, this is a time, says God, that I began to move you forth. For the Lord said, son and daughter, you've built a strong foundation. And God says that foundation is a sure foundation. And the Lord said, now is the time to rise up, and to begin to move forward. I hear the Lord saying, I'm going to give you favor with the government, says the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to open doors in the government. I don't understand this, but I see God doing it. And the Lord said, do not be afraid to walk through the doors that I'm giving you. For the Lord said, you're going to be amazed in the days ahead. Those that are going to come. And I say they will even be those that will move into your city to be part of this thing that God is doing. They will come from other places. But God says they're coming because of the anointing and the presence of God that will be in that place. The Lord said this is no time to stay in the hidden place. But I say I'm bringing you out of hiding, says the Lord. And I'm going to cause you to be visible in this hour. The Lord would just say to you, look up and know that your redemption draweth not. For it is a new season for the two of you. And I say...
0: Changed the name of the church. And honestly, I didn't realize that she had said that until about two or three years ago. I was listening to that and I thought, whoa, she prophesied the name of the church. And I remember I went to Pastor Miss Robbins and I said, Miss Robbins, I really feel like being a prophetic apostolic church that we need our name needs to reflect what our calling is. And they were so incredible. Donna, you do whatever you feel God wants you to do, and we're hundred percent behind you. And we changed the name to Impact Church because we knew we were called to impact the region. And then here, this prophetic word it was, it was there all along. It was out there floating, just floating. And we, and we we I, Donna T's with her dad today, but we were, you know, we were talking about changing the church name and we just came up with And not just for the sake of changing it. You know, I believe that every, I believe every name that we give our children and we give, a building, or you know, even our business. Genesis, a new beginning. That was very strategic, because we believe everybody needs Genesis needs beginning, but everybody needs a new beginning. Every one of us needs new beginnings, and we can have that by changing the way that we think. Impact. You name your children, but you know, based you hope you name them something that means something. You know, don't name them something that means nothing, right? So we we need to call we need to call that. We even name our dogs things that needs that means something. You know. But let's stand, if you will. But as being a part of ecclesia, number one, and we'll talk about this more, maybe even Wednesday night. I'm not sure I'll get with Pastor Dan see what he's got planned. But it always starts with a revelation of who Jesus is, always. You can't be ecclesia and not know who he is. You can't be ecclesia and not know he's the Christ, the son of the living God. That He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That every knee has to bow at His name. So you can't be and do what God has called you to be and do if you don't fully understand that and believe that in your heart and in your head. So we have to have that revelation. And then we have to know who we are. We are children of God. See, we are sons of God now. He said, anyone who believes, I give you the authority to be called a child of God. And so then we have to walk in that authority. We have to quit walking like we're just coming in. We have to walk like we're going out. We're going to change the world out there. See, we're just, we're just silly enough to believe we can change the world, aren't we? Right now, we're in five counties, right, physically, physically. And then others come in from the other through our business. You know, all that is is a spiritual arm of impact, really. I mean, it's two separate things, but really it's just a spiritual arm. It's It's raw material. It's like that young man that called. See, we're probably going to stick him in a church somewhere up there in Lexington. He may never come here, but he's in the kingdom. He's in the kingdom. That's all that matters. He's in the kingdom. And so we got to have that attitude. It's not about how build, big I can build my church or how I can come in with bragging right now. It's God, what am I doing for you? Am I making you famous? Am I making you important? Am I making you valid? Let me tell you, you, turn a family right side up, and you're going to see. There's going to be a lot of testimony that goes out. You heal somebody, right? Let God heal you. God does the healing; it's not us, but we're just that conduit that we that He works through. I'm telling you, people are going to talk about this God that we serve. Going to talk about this God that we serve. But are you willing to do it? Are we willing to inconvenience ourselves? Ecclesia is not for the lazy. I told you before, passive people do nothing great for God. Passive people do nothing great for God. But that pioneering spirit, see, associating with the church like that, you get that pioneering apostolic anointing just flows right down through every one of us. Started with Pastor Robbins and has flowed right through the years. That pioneering spirit that we can get out there. We oh, I forgot one prophecy. It says you're the tip of the spear for revival in the region. That was a guy who came all over way South Africa to tell us that. What does that mean? The tip of the spear—that's the part that hits the first, gets the first shot at it, right? It's also the smallest part of the spear. And I believe, uh, I believe Pastor Jim told me one time. Just what was that, Terry? About Pastor Robbins? He he was in a uh, was he in a plane or something called the Spearhead or something, it was something like that. And he brought that to our attention. You see how God just kind of weaves things in? but We're the tip of the spear. You're the tip of the spear everywhere you go. All you do is you're going to pierce the darkness and maybe somebody else is going to come in behind you and pick up that difference. You're just piercing the darkness in the lives of people. Somebody's got to break through. You're that breaker anointing. That breaker anointing. We have seen so much favor with the government, as Barbara talked about in the last couple of years. Just incredible the committees and the boards that that you're on, I'm on. Just in our city, we never thought it's not even something we like. I like to do, but every, I remember that thing that you, you know you're, you're going to have favor with it. government. You're the tip of the spear. You got to get in there with that influence. Any door God opens for you, don't be lazy. It's inconvenient, yes, but don't be lazy. It's a it's a place of influence for you, right, Pastor Zach? You got something to say? Oh, okay. He looked like he was chomping to say something. I love to hear him say something. How many many wants to be Ecclesia? Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. God, we just want to be your...